So you want to step into the marketing arena. You're ready to put on your make money online boxing gloves. And perhaps, heck, you've even gone a few rounds, but you got your clock clean. Would you like to learn from someone who's done it at the Disney scale level and has even launched four brands? Well, then, my friend, you have come to the right place. Today, we're going to teach you how to build your digital marketing empire like building a Chipotle burrito. Plus, a little later in the episode, we're going to teach you how to get a relatively untapped resource of a ridiculous amount of organic traffic right after this. Being an entrepreneur sounds like, yes, another new client. I did it. But... It can also sound like, I am really not understanding this technology, and I'm feeling so overwhelmed. Am I even cut out for this? That's why I started the Dark Horse Entrepreneur Podcast, to help infopreneurs, coaches, and course creators who want to build a business online, but are battling technology, overwhelm, procrastination, and even imposter syndrome. Think successfully, think differently, think bigger and take action by learning tips from an array of business owners, all dropping knowledge on the Dark Horse Entrepreneur Podcast. Check us out at www.darkhorseschooling.com. What is up? What is up? What the hell is up, my Dark Horse friends and family? Welcome back to another episode of Digital Marketing Learning. I am your host, your humble host, Tracy Brinkman. Now, I want to start this one off a little differently. How cool would it be to work in an organization where you pretty much all you had to do was test the extremes of your creativity, coming up with crazy ideas that your audience would enjoy? Now, what if that organization just happened to be, oh, the happiest place on earth? Yeah, me too, right? You see, as I grew up in Southern California, I lived a mere 16 miles away from Disney. And I can still remember the joy that each and every visit there has left me with. And then even as I grew up later on and took my kids to Disneyland and later on Disney World, it was truly a magical place and helped me create many, many magical memories. But here's the thing. What if it was your job to help people create those memories? How damn cool would that be? Yeah, right? I can just, I'm getting charged up thinking about it. And here's the thing. Why in the world would you ever leave an amazing job like that? Well, today we're going to hear from an amazing entrepreneur, Lauren Petrullo. Lauren is an award-winning marketing expert, digital marketing and e-commerce consultant, and a successful multi-founder. Yeah, you heard that, multi-founder. But before all of that... She was the innovation producer at Disney. My name is Lauren, Lauren Petrullo. I am currently using Wi-Fi in Orlando, Florida. I've lived quite a few places, born and raised in the city of Chicago, and made my way to Orlando because I used to do marketing and business development for the Walt Disney Company. In fact, oh, okay. I was an innovation producer with the Walt Disney Company, which means I had basically the coolest job you could possibly imagine. I was a glorified five-year-old coming up with crazy big ideas with unlimited budgets and things that only Disney can do. Moved here after college, had this dream job, and everyone started cutting the cord. We're going to streaming services. And a lot of people weren't aware that marketing budgets for the Walt Disney Company, 44% came from ESPN revenue. Ooh. So bye-bye Comcast, bye-bye marketing department. So there was like this hemorrhaging. I mean, it was a very 
very scary time. So they had like completely dismantled the digital marketing team. Rather than moving back to LA where I had gone to undergrad, we stayed because, wow, it's a lot more affordable in Florida. And <laughs> in LA for sure. <laughs> oh yeah. And plus like you have predictability. With an LA, an earthquake, you have like two minutes warning. Here, if we have a hurricane, there's enough time to drive out of state if necessary. Right. So that's a good point. Lots of pros and cons. Been here ever since. I started my organization, Mongoose Media, about four and a half years ago. Started with doing some freelancing, bringing on a lot of my friends. So now we've grown to this team of over 30 individuals. We span five different continents. We have clients all around North America, Western Europe, and Australia. And it's been a blast. Now, my friends, we never know what the road in front of us holds. I mean, think about this. Lauren had this amazing job. She was working for a company that many would kill or die to work for, but it ran its course. And while she didn't jump straight into creating her agency, I think her standing up for her beliefs and her core values is what makes the next part of her journey so important. You see, in my humble opinion, it was probably even the core, to this day, the core to her success. Lauren clearly held honor and integrity and transparency high on her values list. And when she was faced with having to work with an organization that did not hold them as high as she did, well, she chose to say goodbye. Whether the choice was hers or not, that's a whole nother story. Here's the thing, for me, that speaks volumes to her character and what she stands for as a person, as well as a vendor to the people she serves. I think one of the lessons here is don't sell your soul or don't sell out, however you want to phrase it. Even if it makes your life a little easier in the short term, what life has in store for you can be so much greater if you just stand right by what it is you truly believe in your heart is best for you and of course, best for your clients. I actually didn't mean to start an agency. <laughs> you said bring in the band, so I'll be transparent. Go I was it. absolutely fired from the last agency I worked for. And so we had a disagreement on what should be considered reporting fairness. And with that, we parted ways. And I just had this like onslaught of clients asking like, hey, are you? can you still help with Facebook ads? Hey, can you do this? Hey, can you do that? And four and a half years later, we have yet to bring on a client that wasn't a referral. And so it started off as referrals, then grandbaby conferrals, and then great grandbaby referrals where it's been really lucky. So that's that is a really awful problem to have. And I feel sorry for you. <laughs> oh, thank you. I appreciate your sympathy. No, I imagine the, the information transparency is you were the one that was willing to give way more than the other party. I will just say that they were brilliant marketers. It was in a different industry, like the clientele were in a very different industry where there's lots of gray areas gotcha. of what is there. And I, yeah, it didn't align, but I wish them the best. They're awesome, smart humans, but it was the best, best cry I've ever had. Cause I was a little emotional. It's, like, it's oh, funny yes. is I've been in the marketing world in one form or another since gosh, the nineties, you know, I cut my marketing teeth in Coca-Cola in yeah. Home Depot, yeah. in David's Bridal, and Victoria's Secret. So just wow, you everything all... needed for a bridal shower. There we go. Yeah, except I just I probably need to go work for Jim Beam or somebody that will make the <laughs> something mixed with Coke with. Anyway, yeah. and I've always been a fan of those organizations, and luckily all of those that I mentioned were very forthcoming to say, "Here's the data. 
here's what we're doing. Here's yeah. what we need from you, you know? And anytime I ended up working with someone who was reluctant to share something, you just, I don't know, you just kind of scratch your head like, okay, I don't know why. What do you have to hide? Yeah, what yeah. just tell me. Gosh. Um, anyway. No, I mean, I live by that wholeheartedly. Like, even with information, because I'll get hired a lot for, like, borrow my brain packages. Someone mm-hmm. will hire me to bring on design thinking methodology and build up digital marketing strategies. But I'm like, this, you can have everything. Like, here's an ISOP. Have it. Like, you, you're either going to do it yourself and give me all the credit for giving you the step-by-step resources, or you're not going to end up doing the work and be like, wow, you overshared. That was so amazing. Thank you for being so transparent. I don't want to live in and a world where it's not I, i'm not feeling any bad side of that one right there i, I really exactly. like that phrase borrow my brain package that's kind of cool I'm oh gonna, yeah i may have to steal that <laughs> i'll steal it away i'll send you i'll send you everything that goes into it copy nice. and paste i'll send you the original art files too sweet look at you just giving it all up I, you know it's funny that you say that you're so willing to do that i know as i've worked with folks and and even chatted with folks those that are willing to just give the kitchen sink are usually the ones that end up becoming the most successful and you know those folks that are holding on it's my secret i don't want you to know it it's my secret sauce you're like dude you know there's like four ways to do it right i've tried this way i've tried this way it's probably one of these other two ah you know what i'm saying yeah i'm not smeagling my information like it's not my precious but there's so few things that are like brand new anyways. And you're either going to do the work and then be like thankful that I gave you the pieces or you're not, which is 90% of the time. So what would I, what am I worried about? Right. And then there's the other side. It's like, Hey, if you don't want to do the work, I can do it for you. Of course, there's exactly. It goes with that, and you but... have my full process. You know exactly how you we know. Do exactly. It, what I... I... Okay. So here it is. She stood on her principles and people came along with her. To me, this is one of the core tenets of a good, <laughs> nope, scratch that. A great business person. They have values, and when they stand by those values, people are going to do one of two things. They're going to walk away and find someone that will do the shady things they might want to get done. Or, two, they're going to gravitate closer because you're one of the few that resonate with their core values and their personal beliefs. Oh, and maybe there's even a third thing that comes in that realm of business. When you have people that resonate with you, they're gonna wanna work with you more and more. They're gonna wanna work for you even, right? Even when you leave one organization, they're gonna look you up and say, can you do this for me? Hmm? Can you do that for me? And somewhere in there, my friend, is an opportunity to truly serve yourself and your customer to the fullest. If you're willing to step out of your comfort zone and try. And all you got to do to do that is simply say yes and figure it out. hundred percent. I felt like I was building a Chipotle burrito and they're like, do you want to add guacamole? Yes. Do you want to add sour cream? Yes. And then before I knew it, it didn't fit inside the tin foil anymore. But it was fun. We just... We blew past all of these benchmarks that we never even set, which flooded the gates for lots of these referrals. So grateful for. And there was a solid two years where no didn't exist in my vocabulary. So like, hey, can you do this? Uh, Yes. Let me find a friend who can and bring that on. And Mm -hmm. I didn't ever think I wanted to be in a position of managing people. I mean, as a kid, my dream was to either be a professional athlete or become like the chief imagination officer for the Walt Disney Company. 
And I didn't want to have teams that reported to me that I'm responsible for carrying their feelings and mitigating like their days off. Uh, but just like execute ideas. Like if there's a factory, like, okay, new idea here. And it really scared me the idea of working with people that rely their entire family's income on. But I mm -hmm. can tell you that this was such a great turn of events. I've made some of the closest friends ever by becoming an agency owner, the people I've gotten to meet and how they've happened upon it. It's, it's this dream that I never thought I had that I'm like, yes, thank you for popping in my brain. You know, I think one of the cool things about that is, is stepping into it, right? Okay. I'm going to do the freelancing thing. And you just like, you know what? Uh, yes. Can you do? Yes. Can, yeah. Can you, yeah. I can do that too. And meanwhile, you've got, you know, the folks over there going, well, that's not really within our wheelhouse. So yeah. however, we could do this for you. And I've heard them. We've all heard them a hundred times, right? Someone client comes to them and says, can you do this for me? And you're like, well, that's probably not what you really want. Well, yes, yeah. it is. That's why I asked you for it. <laughs> you know, and then they start diverting them in a different direction where if you can just say, yeah, I can do that. I can make sure that gets done. Right. And then, yeah. like you said, you go find the expert and you bring them in. Okay. Let's pause a moment here, my friends. We hear so many terms bantered around and often they're bantered around pretty damn loosely. Digital marketing, email campaigns, even SEO gets bantered around in so many different contexts. What it means to you might be a little different than what it means to me, right? But should it? I think it shouldn't. And when you go to someone and ask for a digital service and they provide you with that service, do you expect them to be the expert in just that service? I mean, if so, you're probably looking for an expert provider. But if you're looking for someone that can go beyond that and step one step, two step, three steps past that, you're probably looking at multiple disciplines across multiple expertises. And at that point, I think you should be knocking on the door of an agency of someone like Lauren and her team over at Mongoose Media. Why? Gosh, that's a good question. It means that for me, we have multiple disciplines. So, oh, Mongoose Media, we provide two services, lead generation and e-commerce for clients. Boring. But we do have five core disciplines that we fulfill upon. So we have marketing automation, SEO, PPC, social media, and creative services. And the agency side comes into the overlap of disciplines and the collaboration from someone who's dedicated to form capture, from someone that's dedicated to Facebook ads. And how do we make sure the synchronicity between those that we're investing and in paying per leads on Facebook are getting the relevant content via email so that they can become an inbound call mm -hmm. or a converted customer. So I think it's just the the tech stack, the awareness of the multiple disciplines and intersections of those fields, and then having a robust group of rock stars that understand a very specific discipline and then harnessing the power. It's like having an orchestra and I am the crazy person waving a baton like a drunk Harry Potter uh, versus like busking on the street, being a single guitar player. Yeah, no, that's, I think that's a great analogy. I think so many folks focus on one piece of thing. Hey, I'm really, I'm going to make sure your business is great at that. Yeah, that is. And then mm -hmm. the company's over there going, well, that's awesome. But how do I take that and turn it into revenue to, to the bottom yeah. line where you're saying, Hey, we're going to take all these five disciplines and of course yeah. they're going to interlap they have to weave together otherwise 
it's just clunky. Bring it mm-hmm. all together. That's brilliant. And you said that off. So can you repeat those five disciplines? Because you rattled those off really fast. Oh. <laughs> SEO, so search engine optimization, PPC, social media marketing, marketing automation, and creative services. So that's like custom builds, like dev, nice custom artwork. We've done billboards. We've done van wraps. But we do a lot of Facebook ads. A lot. <laughs> Do you think, and I hear this a lot, right? In my circle of folks, Facebook ads are dying. Uh, I'm not going to give you, tell you what I think. Tell you what you think being on the inside looking out. Oh my gosh. But what an easy excuse to tell someone that they have built a poor offer and don't have zone in on who their <laughs> ideal audience is. Sorry, but if that were true, I wouldn't have a successful agency and have now owner... I'm now an owner of several very successful brands. Right, three of those brands, right? Three different brands, if I remember mm-hmm. correctly. Yeah, three three different e-commerce brands. Most of our clients are in the baby, beauty, and food space. So we own a client, or we own an e-commerce store in totality or in partial and fractional ownership in those different disciplines. Because what we've ended up doing since our team has grown so much is we have tester accounts. So we use our owned properties as the tester account mm-hmm. before we allow new hires to take on client work so we only work with what's been proven there you go i think it's one of the great things you can also be a little bit more i don't know open a little more crazy with what it is you try you can try more unique things if i liken it back to my coca-cola days when it came to coca-cola marketing as the brand they were very very conservative, right? I mean, anyone thinks of any Coca-Cola commercial from a, throughout their childhood or their parents' childhood, very conservative. And they actually wanted to break out. And what they did, they actually went and bought another brand so they could. And they went and bought Bark's uh, Root Beer. Oh. And Bark's Root Beer was known for its more zany marketing gimmicks. And it wow. allowed the marketing folks of Coca-Cola to open up to do different things without mm-hmm. you know harming the 120 year old brand i had no idea and it's funny is the way you talk about that is like again my past experience with disney it's very dinosaur mm-hmm. it takes ten thousand rounds of reviews and legal and character integrity and all yeah. these pieces that come together before something can actually enter the market where when i was an innovation producer we had the chance to test new environment i mean like we were using oculus back like before Meta had acquired it and having activations in the park. And it was a really unique role because everything else moved slower than molasses. <laughs> but having our own brands and having, yeah, we absolutely get to take more calculated risks yes. and put together specific budgets. You know, my friends, I've always been a fan of what some people call failing forward, but I'm truly not a fan of what people tend to mean when they say failure, he says with air quotes. To me, it's not really failure. It's feedback. Maybe it didn't go the way you wanted. If you didn't do anything at all, of course, well, then you didn't fail. But you also didn't get any feedback to make yourself better, to make your business better, to make your team better, to, to make your life as a whole and better, right? So even stepping out of your comfort zone by millimeters can enable you to do new things, to meet new people. To engage in new conversation and here's the thing you don't have even have to stay outside your comfort zone for long seconds moments minutes nope you can step out and then bam step right back in again and then take a breath like whoo man i did it now here's the thing 
each time you do that, guess what happens? Your comfort zone, it gets a little bit bigger. And then you step outside of that a little bit and then back in and it gets a little bit bigger. And, and whatever it is that you're tackling, whatever it is that you're uncomfortable with, gets a little bit easier. Baby step by baby step. But here's the question. How could you incorporate that into your corporate culture, your company culture? Even if your company is as small as, say, one, two, four, or 30 people. I mean, we've done projects with influencers that absolutely flopped, but we're like, hey, you know what? Let's test it. Let's put some budget behind it. Let's put some effort, resources, and have mm -hmm. fun. And if it doesn't work, okay, we failed. And right. that's first attempt in learning. And at Mongoose Media, every Friday, we have Failure Friday. So everyone talks about a failure that they had. And if they didn't fail, they didn't try hard enough to push the boundary. So we celebrate failures all day long and definitely can't do that for a lot of other businesses. Yeah, and you certainly don't want to get out there and take those more calculated risks with a client's marketing budget, right? Unless they come to you and say, hey, yeah. I, I want to try this. But if yeah. you're out there and you have the brand where you can say, I'm going to go try this with my brand. And if I can yes. get it to work, then you can say it's tested. It works. Here's then the case not, study. Now there's a case study. I can start marketing to my clients yeah. or prospects this unique way. Okay. So you're staying in your personal zone of integrity. You're traveling a path that perhaps you didn't envision you would ever go through three months ago or say even three years ago, right? You understand that focusing on one thing is good, but being able to integrate multiple services and disciplines is far better. And you're leaning out of your comfort zone and embracing your failures to get that much needed feedback that we've talked about. What other entrepreneurial diseases do you need to combat? Well, my friends, one that I know I tackle now and again is shiny object syndrome. Yeah, do you fall victim to it? <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, come on, let's be honest. I think we all do every once in a while. Do you get swayed by the next new marketing gimmick and think to yourself, finally, here's the thing that's going to solve my lead flow issues. Hmm? Do you? This shiny object syndrome, like, I don't know how this is spreading worse than other pandemics, but like people get like, oh, I saw a YouTube video and they said that I could do this and X, Y, Z. And so they have inflated expectation when it doesn't work. They walk away from something way too soon. It's like divorcing a channel while putting in a significant amount of resources and not actually going to counseling. Um, another comp that's literally how, like they chase shiny object to shiny object. Yeah. The program will work if you go to like these traditional styles of marketing. Consumer behavior has adapted with modern technology, but at the end of the day, like we love to buy stuff we hate to be sold to. And if you bring in foundational principles, regardless of the platform that you're on, you're mm -hmm. going to find success. I think in a world of like, you know, 2014 to 2019, where everyone had full data of mm -hmm. a lot of these platforms, cash in, cash out. You could predict, I spent $100,000 today, I'm going to sell $300,000 tomorrow. Right. Like it was a much easier way that we got yeah. lazy with marketing. Back to like Coca-Cola, I mean, billboards, it was harder to track your revenue. Certain TV commercials, mm -hmm. you were harder to track your revenue, but you would look at the halo effect of the money you spent on marketing to your total bottom line. And I just, when someone tells me, oh, Facebook ads don't work, I'm just like, okay, yeah, for you it didn't. Oh, and yeah. I can tell you three reasons why, but <laughs> I respect that that's your opinion. I'm gonna go keep making my clients less I'm gonna money. go keep, you know, do my 18 ROI on my ROAS here. I'm good, I'm all good. 
Yeah, it, yeah. It's, it's funny is I started playing in the the Facebook ad space and then the Amazon ad space 2005. Oh gosh, gold rush. Yeah, the, yeah, the walls were wide open and yes. one of the clients I worked with was an apparel client and I came in and they had made and I'm going to purposely not try to exaggerate here. They had made prior year $250,000. You know what? I know a lot of brands that would love to be able to do that. Yeah. In three years, with the right marketing and ad spend, it was $25 million a year. And it was just, they didn't know what they didn't know. So you know, that's why Canadians all wear flannels. You sold it to them. I sold it to them, right? And, you know, well, and it wasn't like, oh, let's go do this. What it was is they were stuck in their old marketing habits. And maybe you see this with clients too, and you can mm -hmm. chime in. They were had come up to be, they were a cataloger originally. Well, mm -hmm. we all know that as you know, digital information gets faster and better, yeah. print doesn't do quite as well. And they kept throwing money at the catalog at an increasing rate because it was underperforming. They thought, well, okay, I need to get more people. No, you need to change your structure. If you're get, you're spending $100,000 on a catalog and only getting 500 back, but you're spending that same 500 over on Facebook or Amazon, and you're getting twice that, you're getting a million back? I don't know. I You, you write it on the board and go, I, which one? But they were so stuck in the mud, right? I, we totally see that. It's a lot where I see it more so on the social media side where people mm -hmm. are investing efforts into social media channels because like Instagram and Facebook, I need to have social posts. Mm -hmm. I need to like make sure I'm posting because people are going to be looking at my Instagram page and they need to know that I'm active. I'm like, yeah, that made sense a while ago. But if you take those same resources, which what we've been seeing recently with Pinterest is we're spending a third of the time putting in repurposing the exact posts that someone's done on their Instagram or Facebook page for two years, repurposing them using a third of the time. And we're generating, you know, 25,000 new views to that account in three weeks. Yeah. And it's just like, Hey, look, if it's not generating, why don't you like, you know, look and see if you can repurpose that content and look at a different organic social media channel. Cause it's a little bit crowded. Yeah. And they're like, no, it's the best. I have to, I was like, you're not running ads. You're not active on the platform. You're not using it like cover your base and exist, but why don't you shift some of those resources and look at alternative channels that your audience is more engaged on? Okay, once again, you're staying in your zone of integrity. You're traveling that amazing and sometimes surprising path. And you found those core services that integrate together, but even stand alone. And you're getting your feedback, AKA failure, <laughs> and you've curbed your shiny object syndrome. And you've even learned that you need to allocate your resources to those channels that best service your business as well as your customers. But does that mean you have to be everywhere like some digital deity being omnipresent across the digital landscape? Do you? It's going to be based off of resources and how much someone's willing. Like a lot of times that we work with half of our clients are lead generation, lots in the hospitality space. I'm in Florida, worked with all the major timeshare and hotel brands, obviously mm -hmm. did a lot with Disney. So destination sales, half our team. The other half is e-commerce. Okay. So what we evaluate is like, hey, what resources do you have available and what expectations do you have? If you're at a place where it's truly scaling and you have aggressive, not 12% year over year growth, but you're looking at like a 25 or 30% 
yes, you do need to have an omni-channel present, like an omnipresent omni-channel strategy in place where you're only exerting an additional 10% more of efforts. I'm not saying have dedicated resources. To, mm. I'm just saying cover your bases so that you're repurposing one yeah. video becomes 20 different posts and mm -hmm. they're just distributed. There's technology available for you to just drop and plop and then always gear people towards where you want them to connect with you. All your mm. profiles can have a clear call to action and you be honest and transparent. Connect with me on my website. Go to me here on this page. Right. So it's just, it's like, you know, it's almost like, I don't know, what is it? Crop dusting? Right. Like your digital marketing crop dusting. But yeah. for other brands, I think there's a really important distinction between being omnipresent as a brand and being omni available, where I think people are convoluting it. It's like I get text messages or I see memes all the time of, hey, you haven't replied to my text message. I'm going to message you on Instagram and send you two emails and make a call. Yeah. I think with marketers, we don't have the chance to necessarily turn ourselves off of working. And then people assume because you're distributing, you're on Facebook, you're on Twitter, maybe you're also on MySpace, whatever the different channels are, that you're also available all the time. Mm -hmm. So I think the biggest is no one should go into an omnipresent, omni-channel strategy without having a clear call to action and clear boundaries of when and how they can connect with you. Because I just, I see it break business owners and founders and say, I don't want to do this anymore. I can't do this anymore. And I think there's also opportunities to to channel folks. Hey, if you're reaching out to me here on Facebook, I don't know, maybe you're using a bot or some sort of auto Y, I'm not here very often. You might want to check me out over at X, whatever X is. Yes, exactly. You know, we're there's... just directing. And that, that almost leads me to another thing. And I've been rooting around in the halls of YouTube quite a bit here lately. Mm. And I see a lot of folks, you know, they put you down there in your description. They put this laundry list. You reach me on Facebook, reach me on Instagram, reach me on Twitter. You can find me on MySpace. You can find me here. Ah. And there's like 20 links. And I'm like, uh. and I learned in my retail days that a confused mind doesn't buy. And I still adhere to that, that if you're going to give me 13 links, I'm probably not going to click any of them because I, I don't know which one is the right one. And I don't know. Whereas it's if you say, hey, you want to learn more about X, whatever X is, my e-commerce store, my Facebook strategy, how mm -hmm. awesome a person I am, go to www.myawesomewebsite.com backslash check it out. And that's yes. it. You give them that link. That's it. Exactly. 100%. And you put that on your profile and you just, you funnel everyone where you want them to. Now you mm -hmm. can let people know that you're available on other channels. Like you can have icons and people will know and look for you intuitively yeah. anyways. I think like going back to like the Costco ideas, they, you have two different types of ketchup, maybe three. Mm -hmm. Good, cheaper, and best. And you just make a simple decision. And when you have, I like that you said the confused buyer won't buy. It's just, it's paralysis by too many options. And it's yeah. just like, just do it for me. Please tell me what you want. And at least with the YouTube side, I'm really fortunate. One of my coaches, he is a YouTube strategist for Mr. Beast, who's got one of the most popular YouTube channels ever. And name, his yes. advice to me has always been that like, until you're at 10,000 followers on your YouTube channel, you don't want to ever, I mean, but it's, it carries over with all social media platforms. Social media platforms, and I'm counting YouTube, are places where the brands want you to have a social conversation and stay. So you want to just focus so much on growing a community and giving value in advanced content that they stay that later then you can start saying, Hey, check this out. Let me sell to you. But it's just a deliver value yeah. in advance so that when you pitch, they're like, Oh my God, yes, 
Yeah. Finally, he says, yeah. here's where I go check it out. <laughs> well, you can, I mean, the user will know, like, oh, I'm curious, and they'll engage, and they'll ask you, and they'll become an inbound. You can have, like, you said that one call to action go here, mm -hmm. but when you're overwhelming someone with so many different options, it becomes this, like, bait and switch, like, oh, now I know why you made this content. Right. Because you wanted to spam me with all the other call to actions you want me exactly. to do versus keep consuming. Yeah. 100%. 100%. Okay. Oh, I'm enjoying this conversation here. <laughs> So okay. here's a question I have for you. I don't think I've already had anybody that's really in the e-com space that much. So if folks that are listening are like, you know what, I'm going to start my little e-com store, my Shopify or whatever it is. And it's what two, let's say, let's say what two or three things you and tell them, please make sure you do these Done. things. Okay. One. When you set up your store, the first thing I would have you do, I mean, you obviously put your products in, set up every and all pixels. Maybe you're not gonna run Facebook ads, maybe you're not gonna run TikTok or Pinterest ads or ad roll. I would just go to the Gambit and install all of those pixels and make them available. Like have them on your website so that if and when you expand to them, you may have years worth of consumer data. Yeah. Set up those tracking pixels and then, you know, walk away. The other thing that I would just say is if you're doing a Shopify store, I mean, if you're doing an e-commerce store, after you're tracking, you wanna make sure that you're leveraging all the work you've made on the store. And so Instagram and Facebook right now have options for shops. So Meta Shops is for me what I think the equivalent of Amazon marketing. And I know that people are not taking advantage. It's a four hour maximum connection. You can spend four minutes and just like connect your Facebook page, Instagram page to your Shopify store so that you have your catalog on a platform. But my true advice would be is like, suck it up, spend no more than four hours and organize your catalog because Instagram and Facebook are this place of discovery. And so few brands are optimizing their store that we have seen time and time again, just ridiculous amounts of organic traffic coming in from shops that are set up mm -hmm. meta and instagram don't even want to take you to the shopify store so even if your shopify store loads slow or isn't as pretty as you'd want it to be your instagram user face is going to be the same so you'll have a great display of your products get people finding you adding to wish list with no more than four to four minutes to four hours of work the nice. easiest two things make sure you're tracking a setup and make sure you install a shop now, th that also begs the question, and I believe you'll have some insight in here. Where do you see the shopping patterns of our Facebook and Instagram users? I mean, uh, obviously, we've seen the marketplace start. You know, it's the clue of what's coming down the road. Hey, Facebook is saying, I'm going to keep you on the platform. I mean, yeah. let you shop here, too. Is that, would that be a fair statement? Oh, you, I mean, it's you say marketplace as an example. Meta, like, so I will follow again, going back to the agency side difference from a freelancer being in my position, I spend 10% of my week following where the founders of the technology we're using are and spending their money and where their focus is because I know that's future predicting. But for meta stuff, I know that in order to anticipate what's coming up with e commerce in the US, I look at what China was doing five years ago. They have a much more like literally it's like, oh, you want to know how to predict the future? Look backwards. Yeah. And with social commerce in general. So having a shop on social media, bringing in group couponing, having the ability for someone to connect with the brands where they are. It's becoming the online mall 
Amazon is like the online marketplace where it's inbound, you're searching for what you specifically want, but Instagram and Facebook are places of discovery. We're constantly being influenced. We're constantly seeing other recommendations and where that's evolving is becoming the digital mall of window shopping, but instead of window, you're feed shopping. Ah, okay. Okay. And like it's a your, lot of stuff in your window, it's in your hand as opposed yes. to you're walking past oh, it. That's better. <laughs> And it just happens to be made of glass outside. That oh, shoot, see, clearly, Tracy, you're very good at this. But like, I don't think people understand like how big this is coming. Like, you'll be able to. My assumption is, in a few years, you're going to see a Super Bowl commercial and be able to like purchase directly from your phone what you see on the TV. Hmm. You're looking at someone's Cancun photos. You're like, oh my god, I love that swimsuit. Tapping on the swimsuit and then just buying it one click and buying. It's removing all friction. You don't have to worry about pulling out your car. You don't have to worry about getting your car and going. You don't have to worry about what your friends think about it because you'll be able to shop from your friend's posts or from your influencer's posts. No, that, I think that's so true. And if, there's a lot of that. You can see a lot of that setup already happening, right? You already see, oh, I like this picture and I like this thing. And the next thing you know, you're being fed some opportunities to check out more types of things. And recently I, I bought a, a what's called a tactical trap is a shelf that has a secret compartment that folds down and you can hide ah. things in it and you know tuck it away and it's really cool and a lot of gun owners use it so yes. for the next week or two i started getting lots of oh by the way here's another type of holster or you yes. gun type of device and it, it was just okay well you bought this you might also like kind of thing and it's like yeah ah. Those things are already here. Now they're just starting. I think they're starting to blend them together um, far more seamlessly. Mm -hmm. And again, all about, like you mentioned on, on YouTube, keeping you on the platform. I don't need you. Yeah. You don't need to go over to Amazon You can or Shopify or anywhere else. We got yeah. you right here. And even better is like Meta is incentivizing you to do it. They're giving exclusive discounts for Meta because they're eventually going to be keeping like 5% of all sales, they're like, hey, let me get you into being comfortable shopping on Instagram. Mm -hmm. Here's a 20% off coupon. We will cover 20%. Here's a $10 gift card. Mm. And where it's even going further is you're seeing that in your individual influence. How does that go even further when you're sharing it with your friends? Right now, right. maybe when you have it set up, you might take a picture and tag that brand. Mm. Be like, hey, look, I bought this. And you're like, hey, brand, look at me. Like, give me a shout out, give me attention because it's the attention economy. And then, what that brand can then do is because you tag them, they acknowledge you, they see you, you get your validation. That brand can say, hey, Tracy, would you be willing to let me use your video or your post in my catalog? So I don't even have to take pictures anymore. I get to use your UGC as the catalog picture so that yes. people can buy what other people are buying. And then the further relationship is a lot of times people will tag brands because they want to build brand ambassadors, affiliate programs and get connected. Now, Instagram and Facebook are going to remove that and just say, hey, we can broker a deal. So if you tag it and anyone clicks on your post and makes a purchase, you're going to get an affiliate commission the way you do with Amazon and you send the links. But you won't have to send a link because you're not sending it to someone who's off Instagram. They're buying it directly from your profile. No, so you'll get paid. The brand will get UGC. The brand will get the sale. It's literally a win-win for everyone involved. That's money right there. There's those are going to be opportunities for the I think the early the yeah. early adopters when they jump in on that. It I think that happens with any new technology, right? Sure. Something happens and people go, oh, I'm gonna jump all over this. Okay, so you keep talking about meta. Hmm. I have been I can't believe I'm gonna say this. Laid out there to the metaverse so far. Mm. 
Okay. No, and I have no reasons for it. I just, I haven't had anything pull me into the metaverse. I know mm -hmm. this is, it is, you know, the Wild West right now. And I don't really, I think I know just enough to seem stupid about the metaverse, but I can imagine what e-commerce and oh. other business you know, opportunities are out there in that new world. Any insights coming from you? Oh, so, okay, full disclosure, I'm a member of Meta's Leaders Network. So I'm okay. one of like 1500 handpicked individuals. I'm also on a committee of emerging platforms okay. with Meta. So there's like a lot of like fun stuff I've gotten access to. So, so I am asking so the right person. So much more I want to say that I can't, but <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> what I can say is in the easiest adaptation form. So Meta, like NFTs are a component of Metaverse. Meta doesn't own Metaverse. That's their name. Metaverse incorporates a whole bunch of other stuff. Oculus is an entry point into Metaverse. Sure. Metaverse contains mixed reality, augmented reality, virtual reality. If you've ever used a filter on Instagram or Snapchat, you have been involved with an element connected to the metaverse. Gotcha. So a lot of people make the assumption that unless it's Ready Player One with the full suit, it's not metaverse. But that's actually not true. And it, like Meta, like Zuckerberg wants to be as connected to it because he sees it as this huge wild frontier. Like it's like literally 1994 and the internet's being built. But the best use case right now that we're testing because, you know, we get to employ resources to these things in a calculated risk way that a lot of brands can't. So the NFT delivery, we know that NFTs are trending and people are super involved. Web 3.0, there's this like growing understanding of what it is, but they don't know how to enter and they don't know how to set it up and they don't have a wallet and they don't have the crypto pieces. But right now, every single user on Instagram has access to a digital downloadable file on their account. Meta is currently doing beta testing with a few influencers, creating NFTs and working with them for the distribution of NFTs that live in their Instagram profile. So where e-commerce brands can really jump in is that they can provide like, like a sticker, right? So Asian Beauty Essentials, one of my brands, if someone makes a purchase or does something, we provide stickers. What you can do with the metaverse is you can make it a digital stick. So it's an NFT, a token of our gratitude playoff non-fungible token. Mm -hmm. And you can deliver it to someone and say, hey, thank you so much for attending this event. You have now purchased $500 worth of product. You get this special token of gratitude and you can deliver them an NFT to their Instagram profile where Meta is saying, hey, even if you don't know how to engage with the Instagram profile or sorry, with the NFT product, Meta say, like, let me walk you through it. So the burden is off of the small business and e-commerce owner and the e-commerce owner gets to jump in and be a part of this NFT stuff, even as little as they understand it, creating it and let the burden of onboarding go to Meta. So the smallest way, the easiest way that an e-commerce brand can, can jump in is if they have a character, if they have a mascot, if they have a product, or if they have even just like a logo that they want to make into a digital art form that they can do. I think of it as like a virtual sticker that you would send. You can send it to people, they'll get so excited they're gonna be like, oh my gosh, you even have NFTs and you don't have to worry about the onboarding. Nice. So it's oh. there, it'll always be there for when the person is ready to do the onboarding and become a part of like seeing their digital downloads. That's I think the most fun way. And if you talk about the emerging technology and the opportunity, Meta's gonna reward you if you're one of the first people to market to do this because it's so, mm -hmm. and they're gonna show you off and build case studies and 
promote organically, you will win all day long. Told you, early adopters. You gotta be listening to this. This lady know what she's talking about. If she says there's stuff she can't say, that's the secret sauce right there. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of people that think metaverse and all that stuff, it's like too wishy-washy. It's not Ready Player One. Um, forgive my crassness, Tracy, but what I say to anyone who's listening to this that thinks like, ugh, like it's virtual reality, I don't. Put on an Oculus or a Quest and go to Pornhub. You tell me watching 30 seconds of Pornhub in virtual reality that you don't see the promise and potential future of this part. Yeah. Okay, there's a point. There's a valid point. I can go back and I have one of the VR devices <laughs> for the PS4. So this is Perfect. probably post pre-Oculus, right? And mm -hmm. there was, I played a standard game not even a game that was designed for the for the virtual reality i played a standard game you know like you know, call of duty or whatever it was actually it was a jedi knight game so i was like luke skywalker <laughs> and there was a point where i had to jump off a cliff let me tell you playing on my big screen you get the, you get a little bit of excitement like oh my gosh i just fell off a cliff you you got this when you got the headset on it, it is a completely different feeling yeah and this wasn't even designed to be like that so i can only imagine in this fully immersive arena i even saw we're gonna go off a little tangent here i saw probably somewhere in one of my feeds probably on instagram there is somebody who's trying to create a device and imagine if you will an octagon shaped uh, foot pad right and you're standing in the center as soon as you take a step forward, the it's a bunch of rollers, like you see someone's ah. through a warehouse. So mm -hmm. as soon as you step onto the rollers, the obviously the computer's connected to what you're walking, mm -hmm. and it knows you're walking forward, and the rollers start keeping you in place as you're literally walking forward. And if mm -hmm. you turn and go to the right, the objective is no matter where you are on this device, it keeps pushing you back to center while you're literally in motion yeah. towards whatever direction you are. I'm like, okay, that's taking this to the next level, you know? And of course, you know, we talk about Ready Player One, the suits, I know the suits yep. are coming, you know, where you get yes. punched in the chest and some sort of electrical stimulus will do that for you. It's, it's gonna be crazy. Well, the, so again, because I have the close relationship with Meta, I've had the chance to try the Quest Pro, which is the $1,500 one. Now you have legs inside the quest. So before you were just hands, now you get legs and you can see like there's new eye tracking cameras. So like the way it can be in the workforce is you can turn and you have like sound spatial awareness. So if in our virtual world, you're sitting on the other room and I have someone sitting next to me, I could whisper to them. You wouldn't hear it. Oh, nice. And so there's that kind of stuff. And with the eye tracking technology, I mean, we're talking on Zoom, like it's, you know, nowhere in real life are you this close to someone right. in person at a table. But when you have Zoom and you have a bunch of people, you're looking at one screen and sometimes people are looking elsewhere. You can see they're doing work with the eye tracking and you're wearing the device. I can see if you're looking at me. I can see if you're paying attention. Nice. And that's just what's available now. Yeah. I mean, there's so much potential of where it's going and how it's growing. I just want to like, for anyone, and I know we're on this tangent, uh, Dr. Jordan Yuen, he's an Australian, last name is Vietnamese, N-G-Y-U-N. He has been working with artificial intelligence and using virtual reality in the medical space mm -hmm. where he actually used virtual reality for an individual who had a paralysis somewhere on their back. Absolutely promised never have any movement again. No electrodes could like go down their spine, nothing. 
six or nine months working in virtual reality, doing activities with a personal trainer where they're climbing, they're climbing virtually. I mean, he's able to lift his arm, no movement below the waist, six to nine months of training with virtual reality and lots of things that come into it. He was able to stand up. It was assisted. It took four hours. A literal medical miracle happened with the convergence because our mind is capable of so much. So many things, you could yeah. feel it when you fell. You were tricked. You knew you were in a room. Yeah. You knew where the floor was. So where that capacity is in the medical field. Yeah. Where that's going to grow with brands and the capabilities of e-commerce. Like you can now build stuff. You can hold it. You can touch it. You can try it on. You can go into a shopping mall in the metaverse. There's Atavia in Italy has built a full bakery where someone could look at all of the different cakes that this baker designs oh in God. this like Herod's level, beautiful department store that she doesn't have to spend $17,000 a month for rent, hire right. a general contractor, all of those pieces. You're literally limited by your own imagination. That's amazing. I'm looking forward to that. I got to dig more into it. I, I can see something for me. I used to attend the the big events like, you know, the Tony Robbins and the Zig, Zig Ziglar events where, you know, they filled up an arena, you know, and you were lucky and he was this big in front of you. It would be so cool to be in a, a digital arena where yeah. he's right there. Of course, there's thousands of people watching, but because you're, you know, inside there, he could be in front of you as yep. far as everyone's concerned, you know, as far as everyone's concerned, you're the one way in the back and you're the, the yeah, yeah, that I can see opportunities like that where people yep. get that one-on-one -on -one connection they could never get in any other opportunity. It's one to many yeah. in the most inclusive and personal way possible. Yeah, that'd be amazing. So, and you're, I want to spin off a quick line. I want to be mindful of your time. We've been oh, sorry. I feel bad for talking so much on that tangent. I'm no, this is so awesome. The, the tangents is usually where some of the magic comes from. <laughs> but you mentioned AI, right? And I've seen mm -hmm. a lot of different things about AI. We're always seeing new products being dropped by all kinds of entrepreneurs. Ah, um, yeah. I've, I've been lucky enough to have conversations with Todd Gross. And he's a, you know, he's a, a talk spokesperson. Mm -hmm. And he's partner in a company that has created digital, he calls them humitars, I think is what he calls them. But they're, you know, humans that have been filmed and then you, I could record an audio and drop my voice into it and the mouth mm -hmm. moves at the right pace and everything. Yeah. All these different AI things have come around. Yeah. Is there a place for AI in product, not maybe not product, content creation yes. that matches me as a voice, right? Yes. I, we've seen Jarvis, right? Okay, yes. I'm, I'm going to hush and let you go. <laughs> oh, no, I was like, oh my God. I'm like, yes. The best application is 100% yes, but think about it in a post-life scenario. You can hmm. bring in all your content and Tracy, you can still teach future generations. So oh. you can have your content and providing all of it. And like, so it's a virtual twin. So you have this cognizant style AI replica of you in this virtual reality or virtual world, virtual community. And then you can bring all of your memories, your your content, whatever you provide it mm -hmm. so that it lives in this ecosystem. And then maybe you have great grandchildren that want to know about your story. And then they can engage with you and have mm -hmm. a whole host of understanding your personality and predictive conversations, predictive human behaviors so that in a post-life era, you still exist. I don't know if you listen to Macklemore, 
but he says like you only you die twice the first time like you're in the grave and the second time they they the last time they ever say your name yeah so you have the ability of carrying that content forward beyond the grave that's going to be great for family applications yeah. continuation of story and then because you have this virtual twin and you continue to give it more information about optimizing there's going to be i mean again it's this is like maybe 10 years from now i'll be able to have a brainstorm session with myself oh. because i'll know how my brain works and i've built my virtual twin in a way to be coinciding with me mm -hmm. to argue against myself and pick a do it's like playing chess with yourself except you don't have to flip the board <laughs> i like it i like it are there are are there ai tools out there currently to help folks maybe like write content uh yeah again i mentioned jarvis i've toyed with that a little bit but some oh I've seen some of the ones i've seen are a little clunky but some yes. of them are kind of oh, that's kind of cool you know but because we talked about being omnipresent i know one of the things that you know the googles and even the facebook's of the world like is content give me yeah. good original content and the consumers need it if AI can help me as a person or anyone listening as a person create content that matches my voice mm -hmm. and I can put it out there faster, is that do that does that exist now? Where how are we going? Yeah. So we're using you say Jarvis, now known as Jasper. We Jasper, are very much Jasper users. They had a fun little IP challenge with my former employer. But yeah, we have Jasper and anyone that's listening, if you want our SOP and you're looking at content, I will give you exactly how we do it. I just want to do the full disclaimer that it is not a replacement. It is a tool. Just as you said, it's a helper. We have been able to produce four, 10 times more content in the same eight hour day. That's better rankability. So we use a tool called Jasper in tandem with a tool called Surfer. And what we do is we have like our processes. We do keyword research. So we're like, all right, these are the keywords we want. Here's the topic we want to talk about. We use Surfer to know there's like this gas range of zero to 100. Mm -hmm. We need it to be at least a 70, ideally over 80. And it tells you a formula. You need to use these keywords so many times. You need to have these number of headlines, these number of paragraphs. It literally is like a recipe for you oh, to wow. rank your blog. And then you, we use Jasper and we talk to Jasper and we say, Hey, give me, you know, give me a paragraph that talks about the applications of NFTs for an e-commerce brand. So you feed that in and then you just get like hundreds of words back quickly. Yeah. You do have to fact check sometimes. And because the GMT stuff stopped in 2019, it doesn't have everything. You do have to give it enough information. So similar mm -hmm. earlier, like tracking is the most important. Algorithms will trust what you're telling them, mm -hmm. assuming all information is true. The same is true when using Jasper, but like we're writing 2000 word blogs that are ranking and sending us thousands and thousands of visitors per day for that one piece of content in two hours. These nice. are 2000 words. And so we're doing multiple of those in a day and we're having a tone of voice so we can do it in a clever, wittier fashion. We can do it in a more sterile educational style for like sure. white paper content. It is like, I can't recommend using Jasper in tandem with Surfer. If you are looking at doing content and going towards being omnipresent, but being value in advance yeah. for us, having the agency in so many different departments, the SEO manager, the keyword research, the copywriter puts in the template and then works with Jasper as her own personal collaboration, mm -hmm. putting the content together. And then the SEO manager double checks, interlinking and outer linking opportunities. Boom. It's shipped and ready to go to the client. But then we take that blog and then we build a script. We use Jasper again to turn that content into video long form and short form scripts 
that then we give to the video team. And like we have 14 people in LATAM that shoot content videos for us in scripts at prices that's almost like unfathomable. But we have a team of people producing videos, five to $10 a video, taking the content we wrote from a blog, bringing it together and doing it in English or in Spanish videos so that we have also the YouTube search of it. Nice. That's magic. Do okay. that in a day. I'm going to go ahead and tell you right now, I want that SOP. I'm Done. just telling you. <laughs> it's yours. I will email it to you immediately after this. Oh, man. Lauren, I've been really enjoying this conversation. And I don't want to, you know, like I said, I want to be respectful of your time. And we've been just riffing here. But if folks have felt the magic of Lauren and want to learn more about your agency, how to work with you, how to get some of these SOPs you've alluded to, where do we want to send <laughs> to? My website is mongoosemedia.us. That is the best place to get in contact. We have lots of forms. Um, you can reach out with me on LinkedIn or Instagram. Personally, if you want to connect, just let me know that you listen to the Dark Horse because I get a lot of like weird folks that don't tell me how or why <laughs> they want to connect. And then it comes into like feet. And I'm like, I don't know why my feet. And I don't oh. have any pictures. But yeah, Lauren E. Petrullo is on the social media most active on LinkedIn and Instagram, but mongoosemedia.us if you want to get connected. Fill a form there, contact us, and we'll send you any of those SOPs you want. No problem. My gift to you Sweet. all day, every day. That's magic. Thank you so much for your time, your energy. I just, mm -hmm. I, you know, I've just been rocking with this. And I'm, we're going to make sure to get all those links down in the show notes so folks don't have to worry about typing anything in or writing anything down. They just click over and get right to you. Again, Lauren, thank you so much for hanging out. Oh, no, I had so much fun. Thank you. All right, my Dark Horse friends and family, all I can say is, wow. And I have to give Lauren... Right? I mean, what? trust me. I was with Lauren live during that conversation, obviously. And I have gone back and listened to this episode multiple times because she brought the heat. So I would suggest you do the same. And, and I'm not just saying that for the download numbers. I truly think you should go back and listen to this episode. And this is the first time I've ever told my listeners to go back and listen to an entire episode. I may have told you to go back and listen to the previous 16 seconds because my guest dropped something amazing. Lauren just delivered fire the whole time we were together. So I think you want to go back and listen to this once, maybe twice or more times, because there's so many amazing things that Lauren left here for us all. And with that, I'm going to leave you as I always do. Think successfully and take action. Thank you for listening to the Dark Horse Entrepreneur Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Check us out at www.darkhorseschooling.com. All right. My name is Tracy Brinkman.